Okay, I see. Well, now it seems to be stable. This is this is good. I can officially, for the first time in my life, be classed as stable. <laughs> Look at me being a sound engineer. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I quit trying to be that because that doesn't do it for me. Um, I, I quit in the late 90s doing sound, and uh, I'm so glad I did because then that allowed me to have a, a career. <laughs> <laughs> So Gordon, uh, I, I love this because you're you're kind of you popped up like that. I'm not prepared, and I think this is going to be amazing because I have no clue where we're going. <laughs> we're just going to have a friendly conversation. How about that? Sounds good to me, man. Sounds good to me. Hey, peoples, how's it going? Me, I am super excited. This time, I'm taking you to UK, and we're going to meet one of the most fascinating individuals I have ever had the privilege to encounter. Now, it's no secret how fond I am of Avolite's consoles and how they've been coming up with innovations. But what really stands out for me is how smart they've been about implementing and supporting those innovations. A huge part of that support is helping operators know their shit. With all the talent and experience in the world, you're only as good as how well you can tell your console what to do. And speaking of talent, my next guest is one of the masterminds behind the world-renowned Avolites Academy. Now there's a lot more to training than just passing on information. It's also about making the whole learning experience more efficient by applying proven psychological methods. But I'll let the expert tell you all about that. Ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between. Meet Gordon Clark. The Backstage Cowboys podcast is brought to you by AVL Media Group and Avolites, who make the best lighting consoles in the world. If you live in Canada, you now have access to the Avolites Academy online learning platform. The cost is $229, and that includes an editor Avo key delivered directly to your door. Head on over to BackstageCowboys.com and click on the Avolites Academy logo to get all the details. Now, if you don't live in Canada, well, that means you're in another country. So if you're in the United States, head on over to Avolites.us. Anywhere else in the world, just go directly to Avolites.com and you'll find all the resources available in your country. And now, let's get on with the show. Here is another episode of the Backstage Cowboys podcast. One, two, three, four. I'm so happy to have you on the show. You're a busy man. You're hard to get a hold of. Uh, Gordon, I know you as being the uh, the training um, uh, head of training at Avolites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I, I initially, knew, that that's how I know you. Uh, well, let's start with that, and then we'll work our way around. Yeah, initially, I got uh, hired as a Titan specialist, 
because I was programming a lot of people under the table and I was touring around and doing this, that, the other. And there were so many people on site that kind of said, never actually been told how to do this. So I kind of do it in this way. And I, I phoned up the guys at Avo and I said, do you want me to like tell people that you guys pay me for it? And Avo went, yeah, sure, if you want to. Oh, and that's ever, ever since it's, yeah, it's I'd, and all credit to them because they had a lot of faith in me. Like I've been on and off the Overlight scene for so many years, but I used to program MAs and strands and all this kind of stuff on site. So they definitely took a chance on putting a, a crazy ginger kid full time in charge of their trading. But it's it's been doing well. And certainly the change in the course from here is a shiny thing, please buy our stuff. Here is a useful thing, please buy our stuff. Here is a shiny thing, please buy our stuff to every single trainer that I look after around the world. The first thing that they do is they introduce themselves and they kind of go, right, well, I have experience in this, that, and the other field. And today we're going to start a blank show because that's what you guys will do on site. And I think it's it's starting to change the game and make people a bit less scared of this stigma of programming because it's not as nerdy as it needs to be. It's definitely not as nerdy as it needs to be. Well, it's all a question of how it's presented also. Definitely. And it's, it's all about breaking down everything into its individual elements our industry is incredibly complicated when you look at the big picture but when you break it down to its each individual elements it's all a case of input process and output whether you're looking at the entire gig or whether you're looking at a moving head that doesn't like dmx anymore <laughs> same idea yeah we've been there <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been at evil lights officially uh don't honestly know. Feels like an entire lifetime, but I think it's only about three and a half years. Oh. <laughs> Maybe three years, yeah. Okay, so why don't you tell me about yourself? What's your, what's your background? I mean, okay, I, there's a lot of stuff I want to know. I want to know, like, what you were doing before Evil Lights. I also want to know how you got to doing what you were doing before Evil Lights. So, okay. however, however you want to spill it out uh, in whatever order, doesn't matter. Like I, like I said at the beginning of the on the first episode of the podcast, I said, no discrimination and no, uh, you know, uh, no disrespect or anything. And other than that, we do what the fuck we want. So, yeah, fair news. <laughs> I'll give you the typical university speech and you can tell me if it's too boring or not. But I I started off in this industry incredibly young. Like I'm talking the first time I sat behind the lighting desk, I was 10. Wow. And I was literally hitting the go button because there was a bout of flu that hit a show. And the, the stage manager couldn't hit play on the mini disc player as well as hit play on the hit go on the lighting desk. So they said literally anyone that can just, when I say go, they press the go button. And I still remember that show because there was a lot of things that I was seeing on stage where I was like, that that doesn't look very good. That, that kind of looks weird or wonky or there's actors walking into dark spots and that kind of seems stupid. And it got to the point where there was a couple of local groups nearby and via like 
partially by forcing my parents so that I actually had a hobby and partly out of curiosity I said well yeah I'll go but as long as I don't have to dance and prance around on stage because I've I've never been any good or had any enthusiasm for that how did did you wind up on that show to start with (sighs) not a clue absolutely not a clue it was yeah I don't know. It could have been my sisters were involved with it. It could have been a local like letter that went round the houses. It could have been my parents just wanting an evening to themselves and finding any excuse to get me out of the house. <laughs> okay, I, origin yeah. unknown. <laughs> I, yeah, it seems like a cop out saying that. It seems like I should have this weird like childhood acting story where I got promoted to being a lighting guy. <laughs> no, I no, still to this day. And certainly if anyone ever has seen the original show that I did, which was still Magnolias in a 102-seat theatre, and they they realised that this 10-year-old kid was there for a specific reason, then tell me, please. <laughs> it seems weird not being able to start that story. That... But I've, through all of those things, through that kind of era, I was very much up for solving problems either with people or just trying to figure them out on my own i was solving problems and it started to the point where there was a weekend job at a little charity audiovisual hire company and then it got to the point where they were bored that i was emailing them every single day saying what's next what's next they forwarded me on to a little events company nearby that little events company then got subcontracted by another bigger company to go and do a few things. And that bigger company said, can we borrow him when you're not using him? <laughs> uh, in the midst of that, there was a local theatre that I kind of sent my CV to. And I said, I don't care if I'm getting paid or not. I just want to do some stuff that's useful. Fast forward eight, nine years, I started to do jobs out in Europe mainly corporate jobs for big money clients and things like that. And then it got to the point where I missed theatre. So I got back into hardcore theatre and then found a tour, which was a rock and roll tour, but it was in theatres. So it's a mix of cue listing and busking. You know, it's three guitars and a drum kit rather than three musicians and 14 dancers. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, it got to the point where I managed a few, uh, the lighting department for a few venues and stuff like that. And during all of this, I I started buying up equipment because there was a lot of shows that I was involved on where they didn't have the budget or they didn't have the right kit for the right job. So if I had a spare couple of hundred quid there, a couple of hundred quid there, I'd buy what they needed to. And then that got to the point where I was employing some full-time staff and I had a freelancer list of plus 40 people where we were white labeling for different companies. And yeah, it's, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Certainly I'm, you can class me as a workaholic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that helps. It it got dubbed when I first started talking to Avalites about my, my current job, I kind of went, yeah, it's my retirement job because I'm finally, I have a permanent office. I'm not working out of the back of a van or going in between two different sites. 
How old are you and now? now with now with Overlights, I have been on the road for three weeks. I think I'm going back to headquarters for two weeks, and then I'm back out on the road again. Hmm. So you're still traveling, actually. Yeah, yeah. Not so much around Europe and stuff like that anymore, of course, thanks to the glorious C word, but... Mm. It'll come. It'll come. I've got standing orders for any time I feel like going to Portugal to do some teaching and any time I feel like going to Italy to do some training and some meet and greets, I can go out there. But it's now a case of finding the time. Much the same as coming out to Canada. When I can find the time, I'm coming. Whether I'm invited or not, I'm coming. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you are. (laughs) It'll be really nice to have you here, for sure. Uh, and and your your work is is extremely precious because it's the way it's it's laid out. Um, because I've I've just launched the uh, the online platform uh, here mm. in Canada, and it's it's really going around. Uh, it's being welcomed. Uh, I'll tell you, things are slow. Everything's still at a shutdown here, uh, but but things are picking up. Uh, the I mean. I can't. I can just imagine the amount of work that went in to to creating a system like that. Mm. Um, it it was intense. Like the last time I I coded or worked on a website, I was sixteen, <laughs> and I've I've been on dozens of online courses and stuff like that. And I was determined that if I were to make anything, it would be to the point where you were supported and looked after the entire way. And to the point where it wasn't a, a glorified PowerPoint presentation, because those kinds of things suit very certain criteria. Like if you're learning medical information or if you're learning statistics or if you're learning analysis, seeing a wacky great spreadsheet where you can see all of that stuff clearly and you can work left to right or you can work top down, I, I think is invaluable. But for our industry, we vary so much, even from person to person, but from company to company. Yeah, and having the flexibility to get halfway through one of those things and go, no, I can't do it, I can't do it, and change it to go and having a look at an activity or a quiz or something, and then coming back to it and not having to start from scratch. Yeah, Being able to pick up from where you left off, because that's what you do during a job. You wouldn't, you know, if you were running a cable and you had to go and help somebody, you wouldn't coil that cable up, you know, and put it back away and then go and help someone and then uncoil that cable. It, it just seems almost alien to me that some people run vocation-based courses like Titan Programming in that ethos. And it might work for them, but it certainly confuses me. And if it, if thousands of people around the world suddenly take the online course, they go, no, Gordon, you're wrong. I'm not precious enough. Well, I'll, I'll turn around to thousands of people and go, no, you're wrong. <laughs> I'll go, okay, cool. I'll design it in a different way this time. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, it's very well made. And it's, I, I think the, uh, the most challenging part is, is probably the chronology, if that's a word. Mm. Uh, it, yeah. It's what do you put before what, in what order? Uh, it. It, it's extremely difficult to determine that because when I'm teaching, uh, it's nice to be structured. It's nice to have a program, and then you 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 know you're you're going down your program. But 
when you start on a topic, then things pop up, right? Questions pop up or or you need to understand a certain module that's kind of attached to that, but not necessarily, we're not there yet, but sometimes you have to go there and, and work around it, you know, just to elaborate mm-hmm. on what you're working on now, even though it's further down the line. I mean, that's probably my worst nightmare. And most of the time when I teach, I say, listen, why don't you guys just tell me where you're at? <laughs> we'll start from there. <laughs> or or what you're doing right now, and we'll elaborate on that because, Definitely. You know, yeah. Other, yeah, than that, it's just, it, other than that, it's just shoving information, you know, in their heads that might not be re- relevant at the time. Hmm. So um, it's, it's a constant point of not tension, but it's, it's one of the main points of anxiety because my career so far has kind of proved that I know how to program. But getting it into people's heads in a, a natural way is one where I've done a lot of bedtime reading on psychology and the, the kind of theory of knowledge elements and stuff like that. But it's one where I, I, I never say I definitely have, but I'm, I'm fairly confident nowadays that we have got a recipe where people can be comfortable in training rather than have lists of questions that end up falling out of their heads. Like this this morning I was teaching a very mixed group where we had two people from a venue. We had three people from a, a higher company. We had one person from an installations company and we had one person from a church. So they're, they're varying levels of experience. They're varying levels of confidence and they're, they're varying levels of talkativeness as well. There's no better word for it. It's not like answering questions. It's just general getting like, audio feedback like a lot of teachers want and no less than 11 times today the next question that got asked was the first sentence in the next chapter mm-hmm. and it it hopefully kind of proves that the the course that i've written is not a stuffy this and this and this course it's a course that naturally segues itself and it makes you comfortable teaching it and it, it makes you comfortable learning it as well because you don't feel like somebody's going, no, hold your questions until the end. They're going, oh, oh yeah, we're literally about to talk about that right now. Look look at the paperwork like directly in front of you. Look at the first sentence. That, that'll get you there. And yeah, it's been a point a couple of times where I've had feedback where people have gone, no, he's in my head. He's in my head. <laughs> It's not. It's it's well over 400 tweaks I've done to the 103 pages across four days that all of my level one, level two trainees go through. Mm, it's it's crazy, uh, but I understand uh, the logic behind it. SBS told me actually that there was uh, there was uh, uh, psychology behind the mm. learning process of uh, the Avolites Academy, and and that goes way back. And now I see that you've done your homework and you've got some uh, some knowledge on on that topic, so that you're able to understand how people learn and how they how they remember things and and in what order they need to learn them to be functional. Yeah, 
there's there's a brilliant set of papers uh, that you can anyone can have a look at online, which are called all relate to what's called the forgetting curve. And the forgetting curve is basically over time without repetition, stuff goes out of your brain. There's tons of things that you can do to fight the forgetting curve. And it's got a few different names in, in psychology and certainly in terms of sociology to a certain extent as well about human history and people and person, you know. And it's it's brilliant to see that I'd, I start into, as I get more comfortable in the role, I start to view it more like I am a doctor rather than I'm a teacher <laughs> because if I do my job right, you won't have to see me for a good 10 years. And I think it's what, it's what lighting programming in the industry has been missing for a long time is you get so many times people that either do or do not. And the guys that do have to, they don't have any time to touch up their skills or to realize that there are faster ways or easier ways. And it's much the same as you can get somebody who smokes a hundred cigarettes a day and is still convinced they cycle, but never actually do mm-hmm. <laughs> up until that moment. And then that's the moment where they fall down. And if I can find the right recipe so that it sticks in your head for as long as possible with the least amount of repetition, then your job, your career, your hobby is going to increase the rate in which you remember stuff. And then you don't have to see me or any of the other trainers for years and years, and you're happy rather than you're stressed out, gasping, lying on the floor next to your bicycle going, I I thought I could cycle. (laughs) (laughs) So in all the, you know, all the years you've been teaching um, Mm -hmm. and teaching and putting together, uh, you know, learning methods, uh, tell me about that. I mean, so you've you've taught I don't know how many classes face to face, right? And yeah, tech, so generally, is, how many people do you have at a, at the, at the same time? I if, when you're teaching the academy course, I've I've limited it across every territory to twelve people to every one experienced trainer. Mm-hmm. And I've also geared the course towards that as well, rather than working it in spite of it. And it very quickly across the course and across nobody having to wear suits. Like if you want to wear pajamas and come to an academy course, it's absolutely fine. I don't mind because it's what you're comfortable with. Very quickly, you find that in addition to you teaching a group of 12, the other people in the room start teaching a group of 12. One of the reasons why I'm in uh, Bristol this week is because last time I came here, we did a kind of hope for the best session where we weren't sure how many tickets we'd sell, but we'd risk it. I ended up uh, about two weeks before I was here last time, ended up having to hire two freelance trainers to come down with me because we we had over 30 people in the room. Wow. And we were cracking jokes. We were having fun. It wasn't the hard learn or go away. Mm. And every single person learned some stuff from there because we collected feedback forms to say, this is never going to go to the trainers. Do you think you've learned something? And more importantly, for the next, I don't know, six months, a year, I can't remember how long we tested it for. None of those guys phoned up the support phone after working hours. None of them were seen 
stressed out or panicking on social media. That's where the whole doctors thing actually came in was last time I was in Bristol training and going, if I do it well, nobody will need me anymore. This is great. <laughs> yeah, it's and the other thing I'm more I'm wondering is mm. the uh, when you have large groups like that, even though you're several trainers in the room, you're you're faced with the challenge of having de- people at different levels. How do you deal with that? The, the different levels doesn't phase me as much as the egos. Ah. Uh, the the egos are something that I, I I can understand, and certainly I have my own when I'm designing a show. But it's certainly for you, me, and everyone. If you've got an ego, fine. I don't judge you for it. But if you're ever in a training room, don't bring it in there. <laughs> I have I have seen Avalites users of well in excess of 30 years worth of experience that have never hit the open slash view button. And the open slash view button literally lets you open or view stuff. It seems like I'm sucking eggs even saying it out loud. But you'll find this this Avo user for 30 plus years who have constantly struggled opening windows quickly. And you'll find somebody who's ended up sitting next to them by chance just because I'll tend to put two people to one console. It kind of goes, no, mate, look, hit the open slash view button. You see all those lights that start flashing? Yeah, that's it. Not because Avalites likes flashing lights. (laughs) It's to indicate that that's got a relevant workspace with it. And you'll find the person with a big old ego with 30 years worth of experience and they're there because... I told them they couldn't get a job or whatever. It's none of that kind of stuff's true. But you'll find the guy for that's been operating AVO for 20 minutes helping out the guy that's got 30 years experience. Not only did they each learn something, but they also get a bit of respect for each other as well. And that's it's one of the things that I didn't notice until it started happening in the room. And I've I've even seen like long-term friendships grow out of me literally not having enough chairs in the room uh, for the amount of people and kind of go right you 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 go and it's it's nice because one of the many things in the forgetting curve is the more you teach the more you say out loud it's the more you remember mm. and when it when it comes to avo my job isn't knowing every single thing it can do whether it comes to these freelancers or whether it comes to the full timers or whether it comes to programming it on site to I have to make sure I know just that little bit more or just those three different ways. And one of the catchphrases while I'm teaching is if you like that method, use it. If you don't, don't. (laughs) (laughs) And it, it seems like almost like a sales pitch, but there's so often different ways of doing stuff inside Titan. And if you're comfortable with one way, do one way. There's no point in everybody in the whole industry becoming a a super nerd like me and remembering five different ways to do every single different thing because that's my job. You guys don't have to do it. I found that teaching is is probably the most efficient way to learn Uh, in my case because when, when you're in front of a group to whom you're teaching, sometimes they'll put you in a certain situation that you've never been in before because it's just not, you know, sometimes that particular situation is not part of my world. 
it's not something I was ever faced with. So then they put mm. me in a certain situation because that's their world. And then I have to think like them. I have to put myself in that position and find solutions. And, and sometimes I have to look them up because, oh, funny, I've never been there. I've never had to deal with this type of situation. Yeah. And I've been, I've been very fortunate in all of the companies I've worked with over the years because I've always found one person where I can walk up to them and say, look, argue with me and then explain a point. <laughs> and whether it's something completely sensible or something completely illogical, it will just force me to think in that different way. And although I've, I don't, I'm always in two minds. I'm not sure I have learned hundreds of thousands or more buttons since I started with Avo. But I've learned all the new all the new features that have come out in the past three years. I've also learned a hell of a lot of different styles of programming. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the ways where I I kind of told Avo that I'm now aware of all this kind of stuff. And they're they're constantly trying to send me around the world because I'm not the guy that will program in the set way. I'm the guy that's seen at least six shows programmed from scratch every single week for the past three and a half years. Mm. And um, I also, debatably, uh, understanding enough where if somebody programs something in an obscure way, I'm not going to stomp them on them. I'm not going to say, no, don't do it like that. I'm going to go, okay, I find that a bit weird, but if you, if you like it, crack on. If it works for you. Because you I know. do that on site. There's, you know, there's technicians that always run cables from the male end to the female end. There's technicians that always run cables from the heaviest to the lightest. There's technicians that always avoid running cables. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not the guy to say you must do it like this. I'm the guy to go, as long as it works at the end of the day, we're all here for the customers. We're all here for the ticket holders, however many times we try and fight it. So... What's stopping you from programming right to left rather than left to right? <laughs> Nothing. Can you still do the show? Yeah? Crack on then. Off you go. Yeah, I, I say programming lights is probably one of the rare things that you can do in thousands of different manners. You can have your mm. own style. It's it's a bit like an instrument. I, I always said when I was um when I was operating and I was doing uh, playing with a band. I say playing because I consider I'm playing an instrument called the lighting desk and I'm trying yeah. to play on key and on time yeah. with the band. And uh, I remember one time there was a band, a rock and roll band um, that I didn't know. They were at a festival and uh, I was, you know, start lighting their band and, and everything was like on cue, you know, really, really, really tight. And the guys came up to me after the show and said, hey, dude, you know our songs. I said, no, but you're so predictable. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've, I've had a few bands that I've worked with over the years where I've, I've kind of gone, uh, I love you all. I respect you all. But, but I'm going away right now. And, you know, why, why, why? You do, you do lights and they look good and this, that, and the other. I've gone... Yeah, it's 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 not interesting anymore. And I've I've lost a fair few clients in those kinds of jobs where rather than sitting on it, I've just kind of gone. Mm, mm, I'm not trying anymore. This is not a thing. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I it. just feel like putting it on autopilot and going outside and have a smoke. Yeah, and there's there's a Chicago's 
blues band. Well, not really Chicago's blues, but there's a kind of like soul blues band that I I do regularly. I do two gigs with every single year. Regular as clockwork for the past six or seven years. And in the past couple of years, certainly three, four years, not just because of COVID, uh, we've lost uh, six out of the eight band members oh. for various different things. One of them's had kids. One of them's got bored. One of them sold his bass because he wanted, I don't know, a new tumble dryer. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> but I'm still classed as a member of the band. And I... I I love it. It's like, hang on a minute. Am I going to have to play all the leftover instruments? This is not <laughs> going to be good because I'm used to a lighting desk. I'm used to hitting stuff or pushing stuff slowly. Doing this with a thousand pound guitar is probably not going to get me any friends. Well, maybe, maybe if we stretch synergy just enough that we can send stuff to musical instruments. Anyway, I'll, I'll let you think about that. <laughs> Oh no, no! It's it's already been there, my friend. Currently on the the ideas section of the website, there's three votes for an integration for uh, a digital organ, mm -hmm. uh, and a guy called Luke Edwards, who's a great lighting designer and programmer, and a, a relatively good mate. He's he was working with Jacob Collier doing the world tour, and Jacob Collier is a great musician, but he very much goes with the moment. And I ended up going to the rehearsal studios with him to partially look, partially admire, but partially to help out if I needed to, because there were MIDI commands that were coming out at the same time as some of the audio triggers and stuff like that on some of the pianos and stuff going on stage. And Luke designing it and with a bit of programming and with a bit of just patience as well got to the point where the musicians were driving the lights just as much as he was driving the musicians and the the music was driving Luke as well. <laughs> and the show looked great. And the show was rarely the same every single night, but it was of the same quality. And I'd argue not every show can say that. <laughs> no, no, that's that's really cool. When when things can be different from one night to another. Uh, I was working with uh, this uh, this uh, stand-up comic once, and uh, he improvises like three-quarters of the show. So th technically the show lasts somewhere around two hours, and it would never be under three hours and a half and sometimes more because he would improvise. And once in a while he'd get back to his original text, you know. Um, that's fun for us, but problem with that is that it doesn't give any more cues for us. <laughs> yeah he just talks <laughs> so yeah sometimes it becomes uh, long but if we, if you're working with musicians that allow themselves to go elsewhere depending on how they feel then that can be an experience that can be cool and i've i've ha had it with acting and stuff as well even though it might not seem it like that still magnolia's show back when i was 10 <laughs> it was it got to the point where it's i think it was about a week into the run And I was getting comfortable. I was getting a little bit cocky and this, you know, everybody does a week into the run or two weeks into the run. It happens every single time. And somebody had left the fire exit open in, in the back of the theater. So during this scene where everybody's like, oh, it's the same old thing. It's the same old thing again and again and again. There was a cat that walked in the fire door <laughs> and the, the, DSM, the deputy stage manager, was on comms at the time chatting to us in the control box. And I think we were talking about what we're having for 
dinner or, you know, something completely unprofessional. You shouldn't do it during the show. And she suddenly leapt off comms. And we just heard this microphone slap against the side wall. And we didn't know what was going on. But out of the corner of her eye, she had seen this cat walking up one of the side steps into the wings. So she'd sprinted off to go and try and collect it. And there's a scene in Still Magnolias where they're at hairdressers and they're chatting about, you know, relationships and all this kind of stuff like everyone does. And this cat just wanders into this fictional hairdressers and sits down there. <laughs> and it's another moment where, you know, I can't remember how I got into the show, but I remember going, what the hell, this is, this is, I don't know, because like they went into a good 10 minute long section about, how they needed to take Felix or whatever it was called to the vets on Tuesday, but they couldn't do this because of this, <laughs> but they ended up taking Felix to work because this, and then it, they managed to incredibly successfully segue it back into the show. <laughs> Which for an old show, for a reliable show, for a cast that was getting bored, for a crew that was getting bored. It was a blessing. Something... Yeah, and something that could have entirely stopped the show suddenly made the show more interesting by a random cat walking into a fire exit. And that, you know, still can't remember why I got into the show, but I can remember it was a ginger cat walked in from downstage right, stayed upstage left just before the sink and actually sat underneath the desk in that room at one point. <laughs> Surreal. That's cool. That's a cool story. <laughs> it's it's a brilliant moment and it's one of the reasons why I always flip flop but I never say that I'm solely a rock and roller or a solely a theatre type because I enjoy all of those experiences regardless of what genre of gig they're in well it's uh, it's when you're ready for this type of stuff and of course this cat walking through a play that's one thing um, but let's say you're you're doing uh, you're dealing with a band or you're dealing with a, a multiple artist show and mm -hmm. things are supposed to go in a particular manner in a particular order if you're the type of person that programs real tight and have no room for improvisation you're screwed when something, you know, unpredictable happens. Um, and, and that's why I always said, I remember one time I was programming a show and uh, an, uh, another uh, a fellow uh, lighting guy walked in and he says, hey, I have a show tomorrow with the same setup. He says, do you mind if I, you know, I'm on, on the side, if I program uh, some stuff when you take a break? I said, sure, I'm going for, I'm going for dinner. Uh, why don't you grab the board and, and, you know, prepare your stuff. So then I let him have the board. I walk away and the head electric comes to me, says, you let him play with your board. And I said, what's the problem? He says, yeah, well, he's, he's the kind of guy who's going to steal all your cues. I said, oh, he's going to be so disappointed because I don't program. I just put a lot of <laughs> triggers in. <laughs> We're, we're in the land of what if. It's one of the reasons why all these people love to come and see gigs. They don't They don't love it. Like, if they wanted to see a film, they'd go and see a film. What they want to see is the live element of it. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've done huge West End shows where we've had to ad-lib at certain points and just make it up. I've done, you know, I've done European tours where at certain points people just kind of go, I wonder how the crowd's doing. And you... Programming 
programming well is a skill programming tightly is an art i would say rather than the other way around mm-hmm. but programming for real life is actually what every one of us do day to day so let's do that yeah bunch of triggers yeah bunch of triggers and see what happens <laughs> yeah it's i mean it's what we are at the end of the day we we go from being designing and choosing one of the hundred shades of blue that look pretty to programming, getting the piece of information right where we want it. And then then it's why people call them fader riders. It's why they call them desk jockeys. Because if you do those two those first two steps well, all you've got to do is make sure you've got some good dance moves and then you're fine. <laughs> well that's where you need to master your instrument though. Because if you want to be able to be spontaneous, you gotta know the thing is it, it's the finishing touch. It's, you know, mm. it's very easy to switch a color. It's very easy to switch a position or to send an, an effect out or something. It's the transition that makes the difference. And, yeah. and you, that's where you see people with experience uh, or with people who can't, who don't master their, uh, their lighting desk is when they, uh, when they have a whole bunch of stuff running and then the song comes to an end. And then things keep strobing and moving and, <laughs> and whatever <gasps> until you can figure yeah. out, okay, what, 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 what was it running on again? What was, oh, everything off <laughs> and blackout. <laughs> it's, it's one of those. And first, when I first started modifying and kind of writing and trying merging the, the various different training systems and schemes Avalites had when I, I, I was originally looking at rewriting the things, I, I've always used fixture overlap and I've been using Titan since version four on and off. Mm. I've always, always, always used fixture overlap because it's a little bit of prep work that means a better result at the end, in my opinion. And there's thousands of people that still don't use it day to day and still don't want to do that bit of prep work. And I think it's partly because of my theatery background where I've gone however many times you try and fight it, a bit of prep work makes life easier it makes gigging easier Hmm. if you check what tools are in your toolbox before you leave the house it means that you've got those tools on site or you know you don't have those tools on site and ever since i started teaching avo certainly i looked at even things like the facebook group from like five six years ago versus one year ago two years ago three years ago the questions about fixture overlap and stuff like that have gone through the roof. Hmm. And it's all credit to it because um, it's literally the difference in between a fade in and fade out and a transition. And the, the transitions are where this industry needs to get to as much as possible because blackouts in between shows are relevant for fewer and fewer shows based on bigger rigs. Mm-hmm. If a huge rig blacks out in between every gig, in between every song, it's a bit of punctuation. And punctuation, as anyone that's ever written in English, knows that it shouldn't come after every word. It should come after the end of a sentence. That's and right. I'm definitely not shooting blackouts down, but there was a lot of gigs I used to go and see as a kid where it was, okay, lights on, musicians play, lights off, awkward, eggy silence where we couldn't see anyone. And, oh, yeah, that's definitely the drummer's just sworn because he's tripped into something. <laughs> and now the silence is longer. The drummer's lost his drumsticks, hasn't he? The drummer's definitely lost his drumsticks. 
Right, okay, yeah, they've put they've put a blue light on. Ah, there's a torch. Okay, right, it's black again. And now the next song's on. <laughs> hey, just just for um, people who might not be familiar with the term, can you just quickly explain fixture overlap? So the way that Titan grabs hold of fixtures when you grab hold of a group, it's not just grabbing hold of, say, 10 fixtures. What it does in the back end of Titan is it grabs those fixtures in a particular order. Like if you drag your finger left to right across a screen or whatever it might be, the the Titan remembers that you've gone left to right or right to left. Now, day to day, you don't need it when you're just grabbing hold of lights and making them be blue. But when you're recording, Titan remembers right down to the way you dragged your finger when you're making that playback. And then within the space of two seconds, what you can do is rather than say all of these lights go to 100% of their instructions, do an overlap. Now, an overlap is basically if any choir has sung in a round, all the singers don't start and finish at the same time. The first singer starts and gets like 20% through the first verse, and then the next one starts, and then the next one starts. Now, they all get to the end of the song, but... What happens is the first one starts first, and then as soon as they get 20% through, the next one starts. Now, a fixture overlap is doing that but with DMX instructions. If if the overlap's at 100%, all of those singers are going to start at the same time, finish at the same time. If a fixture overlap is 50%, the first light in that fixture order will go to 50%, and then the next light will start, and the next light will start. Still goes to 100%, but... Rather than a fade, what we've got is a staggered fade or a fixture overlap. Cascade. Yeah. Cascade. That's a, yeah. That's a good word. I should use the word cascade more. This is this is a learning experience. I like it. Wow. I'm I'm not the guy who provides the words in English. Usually, I'm the guy who looks for his words. So I'm I'm you know, I'm very proud of this. <laughs> I'm I'm sure any one of my friends will say Gordon spends most of the time trying to find all the wrong words and then trying to find them in the right order. <laughs> so on a percentage base, I mean, now you're mostly teaching. That's pretty much uh, teaching and 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 monitoring. Uh, uh, you know, other teaching platforms. Um, mm. Are you still gigging? Are you still operating shows? Uh, yeah. What what percentage of of your time, let's say in a month, is uh, devoted to to actually doing a show? It's like per month, it doesn't necessarily work out. But when it when it comes to training, like the the busy season for gigs is the quiet season for training. Uh huh. That's and when it, everybody's it, working, right? <laughs> I, I never realized it. I never, ever realized it up until it got to the point where I started doing some analytics and doing some studying and stuff like that. And, of course, it entirely makes sense. Like, nobody wants – well, not many people want to sit in a, a training room and learn when there's a job on offer. Mm. So over the course of the year, I'd say, I'd say over a month, maybe month and a half – Every single day, I'll be doing a gig, and most of them will be different gigs as well because I'll design them all in my head or design them all in capture or something like that beforehand. But it, it works out quite a lot, and I'm kind of fortunate that I've got the freedom to do that to a certain extent as well because 
me sat in a training room teaching myself is <laughs> is not fun for anyone involved. And certainly, I've I've seen plenty of smiling, happy faces where I've gone to say hello to the control that's the next stage along and they've just kind of gone oh you're that kid from uh, youtube yeah yeah i've watched like half of one of your videos and i'm going yep fucking <laughs> uh, in with you boys today like <laughs> yeah so we have stars on stage and one in the back <laughs> oh no <laughs> my entire career dressed in black at the you know standing in the back of the room or in the control position and i'm yeah, across YouTube and Facebook, I've got just under a quarter of a million views. <laughs> Not bad. But if it makes if it makes people's programming lives a little bit easier, I don't care. But still, I, I'm teaching today and I'm dressed in black and I spent half the time in the corner of the room. So I, I know I know where I come from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started recently avoiding black clothes just to get out of that pattern. You know just to, to be a bit more colorful i uh, uh i used to have a gray car I've, i i can't i can't anymore now i got a blue car and the next one's going to be red and you know, <laughs> i need color in my life all of a sudden it's it's one of the one of the things that my mom is quite proud about she you know she's been driving for i don't know 40 50 years she's never owned one car that's been the same color <laughs> She's quite some doing because, I mean, occasionally she looks after cars, but not all the time. <laughs> so I had another question and it's kind of slipped my head in my mind. Um, Should I do the sometimes music? We, we start on something and then, we, and then we move on to another subject. And, and when I'm in a conversation, uh, mm. I'm the guy who speaks slowly, right? which means I never have room to speak in the conversation, especially if there are several people um, that have a lot of things to say. So sometimes I will have something to say, but the topic changes three or four times before I have an occasion to, to place a word. So most, most often than not, I don't speak. And uh, when I do speak, I'll do something crazy like, hey, you know what we were talking about half an hour ago? I had an opinion on that. <laughs> All the time, and it's it's. I do I do quite like it when trainees will come to you. You know, you start at nine ten in the morning, you go until five pm or so at night, and you'll find one trainee comes up to you at the end, and they kind of go, "I've got three questions about stuff we've covered today." <laughs> now, if I was a secondary school teacher, I would be angry. I'd go, "Why didn't you concentrate at that point? Why didn't you, you know, ask the question at that point? I've moved on now." I love it because it's almost like a recap where I can check in my head and go, what What did I actually say about that? Did I do this or did I do that? Uh, well, the thing is, and, and I've, I've had that experience before going to a training, and mm. very often you'll ask a question and the answer is, well, we're, gonna, we're coming up on that. You know, we're, uh, the answer is just a bit down the road. So I've, I've had that answer so often so that once in a while you have a question and you say, well, I'll just hold it back because I'm nine times out of 10, the answer is going to pop up somewhere later on during the day. And when mm. it doesn't, then that's when you wind up at the end of the day with that question that remains. <laughs> and it's, it's the stressful thing about laying out a course. It's the really stressful thing because you don't want to be that guy that constantly says, no, wait for it. No, wait for it. No, yeah, wait for it. Yeah. 
But if you can average that course out so that you pitch it to the point where it segues itself, that's an important difference. And it might not seem it to certain people. It might not seem it to other people. But things like BPM masters, BPM masters inside consoles take a lot of prep work and they take a lot of backend knowledge so that you don't fall down with them, so that you don't just completely screw it up, get stressed out. Hmm. And one of the reasons why I put all of the masters together in the course and I put it where I put it inside level two, it's because you've done all of the prep work before and the ultimate core logic of the consoles is already inside your head by that point. Whether you know it or not, whether you admit it or not, that the logic that, that we go through the first three paragraphs of day one is now in your fingers. It's not in your head, it's in your fingers. And that's the most important thing. And then masters and stuff like that become an absolute doddle. When they used to get taught as part of the Overlights masterclass, I think it was called, I can't remember. It was long, long before my time. But it was like the third thing that you used to do in the training course. Mm-hmm. And the fourth thing that you used to do in the training course was reset your masters. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it seemed almost a little bit alien where you're kind of going, okay, now I've tried a thing, but I don't know why I tried it. And now I'm going to have to delete it. Otherwise, I'm not allowed to do the next Mm. <laughs> and it, it seems weird and when you've got, got all the prep work in your consoles the rest of the stuff like that it's mm. nice and easy it goes straight in your heads and more importantly you don't need super nerds like me to go no do it like this do it like this because you can go I've got the logic I've practiced the logic I've got the systems in place I've got the way that I want to lay out my show file making one of these is a two second job when you know it's a half an hour job when you don't yeah, I remember one time I wrote uh, a quick start guide uh, mm. for Titan which, uh, a while back. I think we were in version 10 at the time. And uh, at the beginning, I show how to patch. And then mm. once everything is patched, then I show how to go back, redo the patch, but this time do auto pallets. And, yeah. and of course, originally, I had forgotten to mention auto pallets when I when I wrote that part, and then when I thought of it, instead of going back and editing the part, I figured, hey, why don't I do like I've always done, find an excuse for people to repatch and give them a, a, an opportunity to practice. Because back when I was teaching the uh, the Compulite Spark, my method was very simple. I'd show people how to patch, which was a bit complicated at the time because there were several restrictions, you know, due to the... Uh, uh, the, the the way the program was was laid out so mm. uh people would patch and then they'd start moving the lights and they'd get excited and i'd say okay break time and back then everybody smoked so they all went outside and while they went outside i wiped out all the boards yeah and when they came back they lost everything of course so they had to repatch and that's when they learned how to save their show <laughs> but it, it was for me it was an excuse to you know okay so we you just learned it you're not going to remember it. We're going to have to do it again, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, that's one of the bits that's really properly interested me. Just the, just the same as how to apply it myself, how mm-hmm. it gets applied. And I still being on site and still programming and stuff like that. Cause as well as operating and programming, I still work as crew where I still rig lights. I still do everything I possibly can do working in a real show environment, I think is still key. 
like when you turn up to a show and you're the programmer for the day I don't go through this is how you take the lighting desk out of the flight case <laughs> but I, I go through the bits that here's the quickest way to get started that's also the easiest and I I constantly want more courses and stuff like that that I've seen that still do fairly well they still teach people stuff but the the memory retention is absolutely hits the floor the second those people go out for a cigarette break mm. the second they are done they are off yeah when this industry even with people leaving this industry because of covid and stuff it's an it's an addiction it's a thing and if we can make that addiction second nature we're sitting pretty. We're sitting pretty. And the the more courses that do that, the more I will help out, the more people will be more comfortable on site and the more fun we can all have because we're not all stressed out, zoning in, having to Google stuff, having to search, having to have 15 different guys behind some sound console because nothing's showing up on screen because <laughs> you need to configure a doodad and a flim flam and a press a button and assign a screen to a thing. We, we, we're there to get the show done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then the, what, what, you, what you were saying there, you're still gigging and you're still operating, but you're also setting up the lights, you're patching, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're participating in the whole thing, uh, which is something. I, I always thought that having done all that, having focused, having hung loading trucks, everything you know that 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 needs to be done during a show having done that for years and years and and mm. still doing it from time to time um allows you to work better with your team because you understand what everybody's going through and i i'm i fear that this is something that might get lost from people who right out of school or or right off the start will learn how to program a lighting desk but have no mm. clue of what's at the other end of the cable. Yeah. Yeah, it, it happens. And it one of my many words of advice through going to things like universities is if you possibly can do, certainly for the first few years of your career, don't say no. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm supposedly known around the world for programming Titan consoles, but if you really need me as a sound engineer, I'll do it because I've, I've done it in the past years ago. I might not very be very good. I might not be very comfortable, but I'll do it because I know what bits go where. Mm -hmm. Some of the least stressful, most fun experiences I've had in my life is not stood in a control box programming on my own. It's when 15 complete strangers have jumped in the back of a truck and we have been putting flight cases on top of flight cases and then been playing guess the fart because we're not sure who nearly followed through as we were lifting up this flight case. <laughs> they they could be just as fun. <laughs> they could definitely be just as fun. Well, although I, I will say, if anyone listening wants to play guess the fart with me on a flight in the back of a truck one more time, no. <laughs> <laughs> Diets in this industry need to get a lot better before I'm willing to play that game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or when you're several people on one flight case and you're lifting it up and then 
<laughs> and then there's one missing. There's one guy missing. So he probably <laughs> flew with the case. <laughs> yeah, definitely happened before, I'm sure. And you know what? I think I'm going to I'm going to create a blog post called um load jokes. <laughs> yeah. Do it. Do it. One of the one of the best games that I've ever played during a I uh, put one particular show was buzzword bingo. <laughs> now everyone in the crew briefing got given a three by three grid, and they had to put things that they thought would happen during the show. And it was it wasn't a case of unprofessionalism or you know pissing around or whatever people say because we all knew the show like the back of our hand. We all had tons of contingency plans. Mm-hmm. We were all actually at home during this show. But the winner got a free beer. Mm-hmm. Now, we were all earning enough where we could pay for our own beer. That was, wasn't the point. You know, it's like the old English saying of a gentleman's bet. A gentleman's bet, you bet like 10p. You do it for the honour. You don't do it for the money. Yeah. So, of course, while we're all working on this show together, everything was happening. We were still playing buzzword bingo where we were taking stuff off, you know, somebody walks on stage, forgets their shoes and styles it out. So, okay, cool. That was a box. You could get three in a row. You could get a diagonal or you could get a full house. And so, yeah, the winner of each of those got a beer. And that was, that was certainly more fun than the show, especially six, seven months into it. Well, yeah. Yeah. Cause you get, it, it, it gets to be just a routine. I remember this one tour I was doing, where there was unpredictable things that happened during the show, but they were all planned. Yeah. So the crowd felt like they got something special that day because they they kind of went on off course and they were insulting each other or just laughing and you know, you could feel like like they're they're inside jokes and but they were all planned. They were all written out and you know and it was the same thing night after night. But that it, it's funny because that kind of stuff, even though it's always the same thing every night, you have uh, uh, you, know, you have a lot of fun looking at the crowd, and and look yeah. seeing the crowd feel special because of that moment, even though when they buy the DVD at the end they're gonna find out that okay so everybody else saw that special thing I saw. <laughs> And there's, there's so many companies that do that incredibly well. Like on the BBC in the UK, there's a there's a TV show called The Goes Wrong Show. And if you, if you work in this industry, you get it 500 times more than anyone else that doesn't work in this industry because there's an art to doing stuff right. But there's almost like two arts to doing stuff correctly, incorrectly, that's so correct that it's correct. <laughs> On on my bucket list, there's a show that has been made by Penn and Teller in conjunction with the Mischief Theatre Company. Oh. And, of course, Penn and Teller are world-renowned for making magic that goes wrong or making magic that exposes it but in a dignified way. And combined with that theatre company, I think it's Mischief Theatre Company, I think will be amazing. And the second I have any time off or any time at home firstly i'm going to sleep and secondly i'm going to look at tickets for that show because 
I've seen shows go wrong. I've seen shows go well. (laughs) Having a show that's choreographed to the point where it goes perfectly wrong every single time, but safely, that that blows my mind. That's brilliant. I'm a big fan of Penn and Teller, and I almost saw them because the last time I was in Vegas, or was it? Oh, no, the time before. Anyway, uh, they were playing at my hotel. And I booked that hotel because I knew Penn and Teller were there. And I said, oh, cool. I'm definitely going to take one night off and I'm going to go see Penn and Teller. And, of course, the week I was there, they were not. They were off that week. <laughs> so I didn't get a chance to see them. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, it couldn't be more of a demonstration of stuff going perfectly wrong. <laughs> yeah. And along came COVID and I didn't get a second chance. So I don't know when when I'll... I, I technically I'm back in Vegas in June for uh, Infocom. Mm. We'll see if they're still at the Rio. I'll book there again, but I don't know, man. I figure everything's changed since then. If I win the lottery, I'll come and join you. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shoot you a stupid question. Um, cool. If you had some advice to give, you know, to people either starting out in the business or or even experienced people. Um, you know, as a teacher, as a board operator, as a guy who's been around, what would be the one thing you'd like to, the message you'd like to leave to everybody? Oh. I like, I like this kind of question because while you're thinking, I can have a drink of water and, you know, (laughs) relax. (laughs) The, The one that I tend to do is nobody knows everything. It seems to get so forgotten inside this industry. Absolutely, categorically, our industry moves too quickly and our industry adapts and reacts and kind of pushes and makes to technology faster than most other industries that's around. Don't ever assume that you know any every single thing. You might know everything for that gig. You might know everything for that company, but there is always one more thing to learn always and it's it's your choice it's not other people's choice whether you learn it or not you could be the best sound engineer in the world but if you don't keep an eye on new sound desks that are coming out you could run the risk of missing out on a new bit of tech that makes your life easier or not if you are a guy that's born to grab a screwdriver and you don't keep an eye on the new fixtures coming out, then as soon as you get a new fixture that you've got to repair, you could be out of a job. You could be, you know, completely stuck. And my my other go-to bits of advice is ask. There are so many experienced people in this industry. Certainly you, me, like one of the reasons why I love Avo is the whole Avo family. Mm-hmm. They will bend over backwards for you if you ask. One of the one of the venues that comes up a lot in I can't rem- can't even remember what country it is, but they they're constantly saying no, Avalites hate us. <laughs> and in all the time that I've been there, they've never actually asked for anything. They've always complained. Uh-huh. And if you ask and you're willing to learn, this industry is great, and there are so many people that are willing to bend over backwards for you. But if you don't ask and you assume, nah, you're not for me. Sorry. Great advice. See, it seems a bit passive aggressive, but certainly I've 
I, I know lots of stuff, but in the greater scheme of things, I know nothing. <laughs> and knowing that when it comes to shows means that you approach every show as a fresh. Yeah. I could have paperwork for nine months ahead of time and I'll still walk on site and kind of go, okay, well, what have we got? Mm. Because we don't know everything for every single show we're doing. We yeah. just don't. That's right. And and don't assume that that one arrogant person everybody looks up to, uh, don't assume that that guy knows everything. Because that's not Nobody true. knows I mean, Nobody most, knows most people are most people are kind, and I always say this: um, most professionals love their jobs. They're very passionate about it, and and they're very, um, uh, you know, they're very happy to share, and and answer questions. And I, I've, I always love when somebody comes up to me and asks about my work, and asks, you know, or somebody who wants to do what I do, and mm. I'm I'm always happy because I'm very passionate about it, and I love to share. The information and most most professionals are like that unless yeah. of course they're you know under stressful there are stressful times where you just don't have the time where you just can't can't afford to uh, uh to to, to uh, take the time to talk to somebody but you know more often than not those people are very approachable and and you can learn yeah a lot. and that that comes with time as well like i'm i'm sure you've had some technicians on site where you've likened them to little puppies because at the wrong moment, they've just come up to you and start humping your leg and kind of going, <laughs> pay me attention. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time I say that, somebody instantly goes, that guy, that guy. Yeah, I yeah. remember him well, that guy. <laughs> I saw that in your face. Just kind of go. Mm. I remember one but, guy uh, was working with one hand. I, I always had the the phone in the other hand and talking on the phone while working, but only working with one hand. And the yeah. whole crew was just looking at him, and, and I was I was the head of the crew at the time. And um, and they were like, well, look at this guy. I say, oh, I have a solution for that. I pick up the phone, and I call him. So he's like, oh, hold on, I got another line. <laughs> yeah, you want to leave your phone alone for a while? <laughs> Everybody was, the whole crew was focused on him. I think he got his lesson that day. But <laughs> brilliant. But I don't brilliant like to do example. that. I don't like to do that. But once in a while, it's it's necessary. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. totally, and utterly necessary. Yeah, and and don't get me wrong. That person today has a very high position in a very well known company. So yeah, uh, yeah, those they're not necessarily uh, bad people. It's just you know, timing. <laughs> no, there's there's different styles. There's definitely different styles, and there's there's certainly. A lot of people that have been in this industry as well, are, they're a sucker for bribes. And if if you kind of go, right, I've got 100,000 questions and also can I have a job? And also what's your blood type? And also have you got uh, shoes on? And also what's your bank balance right now? <laughs> They've got a right to be scared. Like yeah. Facebook gets in trouble for asking that amount of information. If you, if you see somebody where you've kind of gone, they've got a higher job role than me, they, they look like they're bored or that, you know, they look like they, they have five minutes. Is it all right if I ask you some questions? Then wicked. Amazing. I've got all the time in the world for that. These people that kind of go, I, I have to solely make it on my own because no one's going to help me. Mm, not true. The, mm. No, this, this industry, despite how big it is, is incredibly close. I can be put on a strain uh, on a tour bus full of strangers for the, 
you know, a year of my life and I will learn every single individual detail about those strangers. Mm. And this is even if you're in wedding planning and, you know, stuff that you might not think is that rock and roll. I've, I've ended up designing and programming some weddings that were, there was over 700 people at some of these weddings mm. because I always said, what? I always said, why? I always said, how? And, you know, yeah, you could be sticking out uplighters for a couple of years, but it could also be to the point where you're going, you you had 700 people for a wedding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've seen some of those. I remember one time I was going on tour with, uh, well, on tour. It was a one, one, one gig in, mm. in Spain with a local folk, folk group. And uh, we were all meeting at the airport, and I, I knew the group, you know, I, I knew their songs, but I never met them. And, mm. uh, and my wife says, you're going at the other end of the world with a bunch of guys you don't know, and how, how can you do that? I said, oh, it's very simple. We all have something in common. Give us 10 minutes, it'll be a big party on the plane. And that's exactly yeah. what happened. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Lots of fun, lots of memories from that from that one one nighter show. <laughs> it's it's one of the things that I've I've said to so many of my friends that are freelancers for events companies and for production companies and stuff like that during COVID. However hard it's hit us, however hard it's completely screwed us up, we we'll get back to that. We'll one hundred percent get back to that. And even during some of the lockdowns in the UK. I'd see phone calls from random people and they weren't, you know, checking to see if I had died or they weren't checking to see if I could sell them this, that and the other. They were going, oh, yeah, I remember when, well, yeah, Gordon was trying to not be obvious whilst he was picking his nose backstage at this theatre. I wonder how he's doing. Let's just give him a wreck. <laughs> oh, I make a habit out of it, of course. No, never. <laughs> uh, but... It's it's one of those things, and I'm already seeing it in spades. So it's it's good. We're on the upturn, that's for sure. All right, Gordon, thank you so much for this. Uh, a pleasure. Very very precious, and uh, and yeah, we're we're continuing with the online platform. Thank you so much for for creating that. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be a, ch a game changer here in Canada, and I suppose everywhere else in the world. It's yeah. it's the easiest way that you, and there's still formal training that happens. But if you're not into formal training, you can do it at home in your pants at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> when your brain is still going. Yeah. And the looking at the stats and keeping an eye on people. One of the most common times people log in, even with the UK, is in between three and a half by seven in the morning. Yeah, and apparently and, that's where the brain is the most functional. And, we, uh, and we'll still offer like formal traditional sit-down training where you have people in front of you to ask questions for or to compare stuff with. But the industry isn't like that, so why should training be? Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> totally agree. Thanks a lot, Gordon. A pleasure. The Backstage Cowboys podcast is brought to you by AVL Media Group and Avolites, who make the best lighting consoles in the world. If you live in Canada, you now have access to the Avolites Academy online learning platform. The cost is $229, and that includes an editor Avo key delivered directly to your door. Head on over to BackstageCowboys.com and click on the Avolites Academy logo to get all the details.